0: Warning, little by little, we're confronted with evidence that we too have feelings of our own. But when we can talk about our feelings, they become less overwhelming, less upsetting, and less scary. There's no should or should not when it comes to having feelings. They're part of who we are and their origins are beyond our control. When we can believe that, we may find it easier to make constructive choices about what to do with those feelings. Mr. Rogers Slightly paraphrased. Hey, hello, welcome to my emotion erasing small business. Wonderful place you got here. I erase people's capacity for emotions. I'm a small
1: businessman in the community. Uh, Good for you, being an entrepreneur. You really know how to make it in this wacky world. Oh, thanks. Do you want some cucumber water? Yeah, please. There you go.
0: Uh, Oh, a piece of cucumber fell in. Careful not to get that in your lungs. I mean, sorry. I'll,
1: I'll chew it, it's not a liquid. Yeah, that's what I was saying. So I'm trying my best to suppress bad feelings i've been having about stuff in my life don't get me started on what it is i don't want to tell you hey
0: hey we're cool about that kind of thing
1: i need technology to dig in there into my brain and body and stop the emotions at the source please well you've come to the right place you do have a digging machine to dig them out root and stem
0: you know, i'm happy to go over all the machines with you a digging machine isn't technically used anymore huh. i would have one
1: if It was generally considered safe, but you do stop the emotions at the source, right?
0: Yes. Well, I mean, I just say this because I'm an ethical guy, I'm a small businessman. You know, I like to consider myself a capitalist, but not a capitalist pig. Hmm. Our industry standard, anywhere you go to stop emotions at the source, will stop emotions almost at the source, but there's a little bit of free room in there for the emotions to sort of spurt out at first and then be stopped. And the reason for that is because it looks like the digging approach and other similar approaches, which go right to the source cause very serious
1: side effects. But
0: so is it sadness that you want us to sort of scar over and
1: make unresponsive? I don't know, but whatever it is, it hurts.
0: All right, I mean, well, if you want a sort of general coverage, we can lob a lot of these guys off please the more the better happy to take your money the customers always right you know what actually before we do this i got a tape that i really think that you should watch it just goes over some of the stuff around this tape. Oh, yeah okay. just pop in the tape and you can watch it and at the end of the tape we'll just let you make your decision on sure yeah wouldn't if you want to lob off sadness anger or you even want to try to get more technical something like frustration jealousy we can tailor it to your needs and i think we shouldn't lob the whole thing off just I know there's more money in it for me but huh, i'm just a
1: small business person and did you make this tape too or are you the small business person who made this tape no no this is a tape that i found online it's
0: sent by a podcast called seriously wrong and they have a patreon at patreon.com slash seriously wrong so you can get access to their whole archive of bonus episodes and all that stuff there for six bucks a month I always like to shout out the tape that I'm playing before I play it in my emotion-stopping small
1: business. I know. I appreciate that. My father was a tape maker.
0: Oh, tireless, unforgiving work. Truly the lowest of the low in our society.
1: So here, I'll just pop this in here. Oh, can I press
0: play? You know what? It's your tape player, buddy. If it makes you happy.
1: Oh boy. And play.
0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Seriously Wrong Feelings Tape. My name's Sean. My name is Aaron. And this is a tape about feelings. Without further ado. Pop it in. Let's put in the tape.
1: Oh, I love producing tapes. That only requires us putting in a tape. It's an easy job, producing this tape. Produced it from a dreamlike ether, betwixt worlds. Yeah, that's the technical stuff. I don't get involved there.
0: And I'll just press play. political realm sometimes people place feelings and reals. feels feels as, and as reels sometimes called feelings that. and reelings they place them in this sort of tension which obviously if taken literally doesn't really make any sense because feelings are something that happen within reality they happen within people in reality their experience yeah
1: it's presented as does one put the feels over the reels or does one put the reels over the feels because facts don't care about feelings, as uh, a cool kids philosopher once put it. But if one wanted to make
0: a tally sheet of feelings that were experienced in a population, at the end of that process, you would have a fact, and the fact would care deeply about those feelings.
1: Yeah, or even just one person having a feeling at one time. Like, if you feel disgusted right now... I do. (laughs) That's a fact compared to say, like, if I were to say, Sean feels enraged right now, but you don't. that doesn't fit at all. Yeah, no, no, I'm disgusted. Disgusted. This time. So yeah, obviously feelings are facts in the world, but to not be too pedantic, the thing that is trying to be said is that sometimes feelings cause us to like think things or say things that maybe aren't actually what's happening. Like it can affect how you think about things. Emotions.
0: I think there's also a semantic confusion that comes out of a sort of definition wobble around the word feelings. When we're talking about feelings in one sense of like a type of emotion that's experienced, but also a feeling is like, I feel that I could run faster than you. But that's not really like a feeling feeling. Oh, I feel like I could be a pilot. There's this sort of, like, lack of seriousness to a feeling in that definition. And then that lack of seriousness is semantically confused into the lack of seriousness of emotions and the the lived life of people.
1: Yeah, it's like I have a loose impression of something based on... Some ideas, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily a fact. So you just say, I feel this way. I've got
0: an intuition. Like, I've got a feeling this is going to go great.
1: Yeah, a guess or an intuition or an estimate or back of the envelope. You know, you're just like, oh, I have a feeling that this might be true. But like, I can run faster than you isn't actually a feeling. Any list of emotions, it's not going to have, I can run faster than you on it. So when someone says facts
0: don't care about your feelings, they're saying like facts, the world of reality don't care about your emotions and your experience of the world. It's like this super cruel, like when Ben Shapiro finesses the reels and feels debate into his trademark phrase, what he's actually saying is like, there's this cold, barren material world and your experience of it is worth nothing to it. Like that's what he's trying to say. And that's what makes it powerful to people who like Ben Shapiro type cold logic stuff. But there's a semantic confusion being I think intentionally made between the two types of feelings
1: and then you know someone like asks themselves how am I feeling or if someone asks them how they're feeling you have all these answers that actually don't contain feelings in it because of this semantic confusion oh I just feel like you're always telling me to do this and it I don't, it's so uh. weird
0: our therapist told us to talk about our feelings and this just is not working at all I feel like you're a monster who hates me
1: <laughs> why isn't this working <laughs> I'm using iState statements what the hell (laughs) i feel like you're a monster (laughs) but yeah it's because people like a lot of the time we actually just like don't know what we're feeling well
0: yeah there's so many reasons to not share what you're feeling like there's like a weird cultural shame around showing emotions and stuff like i can think of an example when i was a kid one time i was being made fun of and they hurt my feelings enough i started crying And then they made fun of me more because crying was bad and I had to like pretend I wasn't upset. But if you're a child and your peers are degrading you, being upset is the right reaction. You're sending the right signal to the world.
1: Yeah, it makes sense (laughs) for you to be upset right then. (laughs) And it doesn't make sense for you to not be upset. So it's a weird double bind to put you in a situation where you're going to be upset and then to tell you that you shouldn't be upset. It's just like it's too much. It's confusing and like... You shut it down, it would get away from me. It's amazing feelings. that
0: I can think of this specific example very vividly for myself, but it's gotta be such a close to universal experience of something close to that in the childhood, this learning about how it's humiliating to feel things. And like if you're yeah. caught feeling something then, then your pants are down and you're a dipshit and everyone thinks you're a dumbass and like it's 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 crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's it, like going
1: on the internet today. Trying to catch people out for feeling things.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about this briefly. What kind (laughs) of sick, nightmarish shit is the whole you mad thing? Like how would Mr. Rogers think about you mad? He would be like, sometimes people get angry when other people are cruel online.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) They very well may be mad. What are you right now? You vengeful? Do you feel contempt for them? You're also
1: kind of mad probably. (laughs) It's usually mixed in there. If you're feeling a lot of contempt for someone, there's going to be some anger as well. No, I'm not mad at all. I was just... Just laughing.
0: Laughing. I'm happy. I'm surrounded by my friends, and I'm just (laughs) typing very intensely against you because we're all so happy and don't like you together, and you're the one who's mad. But the
1: thing is, they're not even lying that they're happy, too, right? Because when you're mad at someone, and then you get like a good line in you fucking laugh and you're so stoked. It's the best feeling in the world. But know what? Even though all of you guys are so mad and I'm not,
0: I want to give you an olive branch and say, it's okay to be mad. Just because I'm not mad doesn't mean that's what everyone should be. Yeah, there's
1: there's just like so much shit in our society that sends the message that we need to distance ourselves from our feelings or like not experience our feelings. Like being in a capitalist society where you have like bosses and workers, the whole structure of like employment is that like the worker people need to get in line with what the bosses and the company needs from them. So like your feelings, whatever they are, need to be set aside so that you can perform a function in the workplace or in like service jobs actually like pretend often to feel things that you're not feeling, which is like also a weird double bind situation where you have to like smile through not feeling actually good.
0: Mm. I think that was the original definition of emotional labor, right? Where you were being paid to show a certain emotion, like always to be smiling like a greeter, always to be welcoming, even if you're upset. It's not just your job to be here and serve flapjacks. It's your job to be here, serve flapjacks. And smile, laugh at people's jokes, and be fun to be around. The thing I like the most about restaurants is getting different random food without having to cook or do dishes. But the thing I really don't like is how I know that they're paid to be there, and they're also paid to be happy. Even if there were a potential to have some sort of like social spark, a human connection, and both be people, it's almost entirely suffocated by all of this context. It makes me want to like not even bother trying in a way. It just makes me anxious, but sort of a side point. But that's an emotion. I feel that this sort of like suffocating, I guess it's sort of anxiety. I'm not sure that's an emotion. Anxious an emotion.
1: Yeah, I think it is. I think people also use that word for a lot of emotions, like any kind of overwhelming emotion can be like, I'm feeling anxious, but it could be dread, could be fear, could be.
0: Yeah, I think it would be more dread. I think it'd be more dread dreading some sort of awkwardness inherent to the them yeah. not being there as a person and me not being there as a person either. Yeah.
1: It's the way that money provides perverse emotional incentives. You don't know how they're actually feeling. So you can't feel out the situation accurately. Yeah,
0: knowing people are tipped too, it just are they doing that because they want to be tipped is such like a weird that's not even real niceness. You're actually just hoping to get a living wage. Yeah. Shame on you.
1: And then on top of that, society tells men that, you know, most emotions other than like anger and what, happiness, laughter, you can laugh. Uh, <laughs> like In there's an very few, way. Yeah. Very few acceptable emotions for men. Women can feel all the emotions, but also they're too emotional and they kind of, it's not great that they feel all those emotions, but they're just like that. So this is like, yeah, double binds for both sides on that too, of like, you should distance yourself from your emotions in these different ways.
0: I want to say with the toxic masculinity, the hegemonic masculinity sort of thing, is that it's either no emotion or anger. Even like too much happiness is bad. It has to be like a little bit, like it needs to be like five Uh, units of anger for every one unit of happiness, and the rest is just neutral.
1: Here's some words that I feel like are kind of off the spectrum. Giddy, dazzled, animated... Keep a lid on that. Like, don't be too enthusiastic.
0: Yeah, And it's interesting how the two things that you've talked about so far, those are both like social hierarchical relationships where the boss pays to obliterate the emotional life of the employees in exchange for money and and gendered relationships, men police one another to be emotionless except for anger and then also socially police women to have less of a vibrant emotional life also and essentialize that emotion to you know being some sort of degraded man like a man who doesn't work right as this over emotional breasted man
1: the common thread through all of it is that like emotions don't matter they're just like inconveniences to be swept aside and if you can't sweep them aside that's weakness which is bad
0: Hey, man, come over to my computer. Check this out. Check this out.
1: Sure, yeah. Check oh, this out. Oh, it's down for a vid.
2: <laughs> Look at this.
0: Oh, my God. They're so triggered. These SJWs are flipping out.
1: Oh, they're crying. Wow. She's awesome. literally
0: crying.
1: And screaming. That's like intense rage and sadness. And Oh, my God. Look it feels how- so bad for them. He's mad. Uh, Who's mad? This guy. This guy's guy mad. Is so angry right now. I wish someone could, like, just tell him it's okay. And who put these videos online, too, that just to be laughed at is so horrible. Yeah, this isn't uh, uploaded by them. This is put together by someone else. Oh, that, yeah, it's that's that's just <laughs> bullying, and it's, like, it's epic, dude. terrible. It's so sad. I feel so bad for them. I wish that our culture wasn't like this. I mean, if
0: they'd stayed stoic, emotionless, kept it inside, it wouldn't be so funny, but look at this. Yeah, and that's She's the horrible so thing too. Like if they, She's
1: upset. If they'd kept it inside it'd be more socially it's acceptable. It's contemptible to be upset. But it would be like damaging to them internally so it's like this whole thing puts a demand on people to kind of like crush themselves inside. It's disturbing actually. If they
0: pretended they weren't experiencing that we probably wouldn't like put this layer of humiliation on them but they didn't so I'm so glad this video is so funny.
1: Yeah, thank you for showing me this, this is social reinforcement for some of the worst stuff in our society, and you've given me a new desire to really want to like tackle this and change this kind of culture, because it's not right, and it's hurting people, and making us all less well-off, so thank you for showing me. It's fucking funny, dude. It's funny vid. I'm more like, not emotional
0: I I'm watching this, I'm like, crazy emotions. <laughs> Losers. Not like me. (laughs) I'm an epic guy. Epic cool guy. Uh, That is entertaining to me for reasons I've fully examined. I feel great about myself. Today's episode of Seriously Wrong is brought to
1: you by a plain emotionless mask to put over your face. As you know, our faces are pesky portholes into our deepest inner depths and sometimes betray how we're feeling to just anybody and that's shameful and i don't want anyone to see that right so oof. i'm working on
0: stopping my emotions at the source but i need a little bit of time can you bail me out
1: this emotionless mask can be put on at any time and it is the perfect shield to keep prying eyes out of your personal resentments hatreds fears humiliations vulnerabilities sadnesses all of it get those other people out. (laughs) Can anyone see my tears in here? No, and we can barely understand what you're saying, too.
0: That's good, because I'm not crying. It's plain emotionless, like the mask.
1: Now that person is protected from the pain of being seen.
0: The pain of experiencing a shameful emotion is enough. We don't need to compound that by imagining people looking at us and deciding they don't want to
1: be our friend. A perfect, emotionless mask. If you wear it all the time, people will say, wow, they're really chill, really calm person. I like them. Proud sponsor of today's show. So yeah, it plays into, I think, what is like a larger issue in our culture of people not really understanding their feelings very well or like understanding how their feelings interact with their thoughts or their behaviors or like their relationships or they interact with a lot of things. They're always there. Those little bastards. Recently learned a term for like, not like kind of knowing what you're feeling. It's called alexithymia.
0: Yeah. I think I, maybe I learned this from you. I feel like I only learned it like really, really recently also, but yeah, We live in a sort of like alexithymic social fabric.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. All those things we were just talking about.
0: I think that I don't have alexithymia, at least not seriously, but I mean, if okay, if I'm listening and I want to check myself, is there like a symptoms list? How can I tell if I have alexithymia?
1: So the core of it is like both an inability to determine what your emotions are and an inability to describe what they are to other people.
0: So overcoming alexithymia could have like two component parts, both- Trying to better recognize emotions, but also learning sort of a vocabulary that corresponds to them.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just like getting acquainted with your emotional world that you're kind of like distanced from. Either that like you never really learned how to interact with it very well. Babies, obviously, are alexithymic. They don't know what they're feel. They're just feeling things. They're crying. You know, so they don't have words for it. They don't have awareness of the feeling. And if you never learn those skills, like recognizing what you're feeling, knowing the words for what you're feeling, like it's just like it's a skill, knowing how to integrate and deal with that. Or that distance has been put there by you by necessity because of like negative emotional experiences that you didn't have any other way to deal with other than to distance yourself from the emotional experience. Like even that thing you were talking about with being bullied and then like being forced to pretend that you're not feeling like that's like an alexithymia making experience. And like you have tons of experiences throughout your life, not saying that means you are, but that's the type of experience that promotes alexithymia. Like people who've gone through traumas and stuff are way more likely to have alexithymia and it's like people who have almost any like mental illness are also much more likely to be alexithymic.
0: Yeah, I definitely don't usually describe my emotions in detail. Like I don't have the thesaurus out when I'm talking about how I'm feeling. I usually will just say like I'm feeling, I feel good, I feel all right
1: feel shitty. Yeah. Using umbrella terms like that is part of alexithymia a lot of the times for people. Sometimes it's just more of a convenient thing or a way to not be vulnerable. I think if you could describe your emotions in more detail, but are choosing not to, that's not necessarily alexithymia. But like, if you say you feel like shit and someone is like, oh, what does that mean in terms of like, like, what are you actually feeling? And you don't no, like you don't have an an answer to that doesn't come to mind. It's like shit. It's like shit. feel shitty. <laughs> yeah, which could be like pain, embarrassment, discontent, confusion, fear, annoyance, grief. Like there's like it could be anything. Like often, like people like just literally don't know. Like I found for me, like I used to be fairly alexithymic. I think I'm a decent amount better now. I don't think I th- was aware how unaware of my emotions I was because it was just like normal for me. So another way to kind of like get at whether you might be alexithymic is if you're exhibiting behaviors that you're having difficulty controlling, a lot of the times that can be based on emotions that you aren't dealing with. So that can be like addictive behaviors, procrastination, rash, poor decision-making, repetitive like emotionally laden or emotionally like impactful thoughts can be manifestations of emotions that you're not looking at in yourself and obviously if you're not very aware of your emotions you can have like communication issues and social difficulties
0: so yeah i definitely procrastinate does that mean i have alexithymia of the procrastination cortex Diagnose me, Dr. Aaron.
1: I don't know. I think you can be more or less alexithymic with specific emotions. Like I feel like I was always better in touch with sadness than anger, for example. Like I was way more aware of when I was sad than I was aware of when I was angry. With procrastination, I think there might be a few different reasons for procrastination. Like there might be like structural issues. Causing it, but like a lot of the times for me, it, it's been emotional. The reason that I find it difficult to just get started on something is because it doesn't feel good to get started on it when I'm supposed to. I want to keep doing this other thing that's helping me feel good, like browsing Facebook. It's the same thing like if I'm browsing Facebook before bed and like I just don't want to turn it off. And it's like, why don't you want to turn it off? Because It feels bad to turn it off. There's some feeling there that you're like avoiding. So I think that's true of procrastination a lot of the time. So I don't know. It might be worth like thinking about whether there's some emotions involved in your procrastination. I don't really know.
0: Probably. Is this going to be a silver bullet? Let's find out later. I'll just try to remember it's an emotion. Anytime I feel like I should do something... (laughs) No, the funny thing about procrastination is how there's all these weird nested processes and feeling like you should do this or feeling like you should do that. But this, but I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to do it. And like, there's this dense internal knot of procrastination. It's not as simple as just thinking like, oh, am I just trying to avoid the emotion of context switching to a job that I find less immediately stimulating, even though it's something that needs to be done and I'll be glad that it's done when it is. It feels like it's not as easy to me as just being like, Oh, this is an emotional thing, now that I recognize that. There's this cacophony of nodded procrastination.
1: Yeah, I think there's different vectors of it. Is that kind of what you're talking about?
0: Yeah, like good
1: procrastination
0: doesn't work just by one argument. It works by a series of dynamic arguments that are sometimes keeping you in the zone of about to do what you're supposed to do, but then taking you out of it for a while. And then you go back to it. I'm about like, there's this step in between not doing and doing it that you spend like more than half your time, but you never actually get into the doing it step. Yeah. That's my experience of like serious procrastination anyways.
1: Yeah. I think like sometimes for me, there's like a fear of doing it wrong or something like that. Like, or that it's not going to be good. Like if I sit here and write for an hour and then I've have like 200 words and they suck, then I feel bad and I'd rather just not write than risk that sometimes. It can be way more fun to just imagine doing something than actually doing it because in your imagination, it's perfect.
0: It's done right away.
1: And it's great, everybody loved it. They were praising you immediately. The imagination is so great. And that's a weird toxic thing because if you're comparing reality to these fantasies, then it's never gonna be as good. Like any like, I'm thinking about of procrastinating from like, positive creative things but then there's also procrastinating from shit that just sucks and then that's a bit easier to understand why it's an emotional thing i guess like why do you procrastinate from taking out the trash because taking out the trash is an unpleasant task i don't it like smells being bad by, it takes yeah. labor and- <laughs> yeah i'd have to touch the garbage bag i have to be by the dumpster It's just disgusting. It's unpleasant. And it's
0: not that I'm never going to do it. I'm definitely going to do it later, but I've been really meaning to read this for a long time, so I'll read it now. I'm actually doing something good because I've been meaning to read this so I can totally not take out the garbage.
1: Yeah. So that's like your brain doing some gymnastics in order to help you avoid this negative emotion through behavioral mechanisms. But like, if you know that that's what you're doing, then you'll be better at being like, oh yeah, that's what this is. Like, that's why at this moment, I suddenly was inspired to read this thing that I've meant to for so long because my brain's looking out for me and is trying to keep me from feeling disgusted.
0: My whole book debt, all the books I mean to read, I line the path between my computer (laughs) and all the chores of my house with them to just ensure that I can never do any chores. Oh, this book, I've been meaning to read this forever. No, this is the perfect time. I'm going to really get into it.
1: And if I take it out tomorrow, then it'll be even longer until the next time I have to take it out. So it's win-win. So, yeah. But like, so then like knowing that, like having clarity about what you're feeling is just good. Like it's good data for course correcting. Like you can't know that your brain is trying to trick you into not doing your chores because you're trying to avoid a negative emotion unless you're just aware that you feel the negative emotion. Like just if like in the moment that you take out the garbage, notice that you're feeling disgust because that's motivating a bunch of your actions to not do this. And I'm not
0: feeling disgusted at all. I'm feeling a steely, emotionless resolve to do what I have to do. And what I was always willing to do and was always going to do.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, the steely, emotionless resolve is like, I just turned on my suppressors like full bore to do this thing I don't want to do. So I don't feel good. I don't feel bad. I just feel steely and emotionless.
0: Oh, look at him. Have you seen how strong his emotional inhibitors are? Ooh. He feels almost nothing. What a what? cool guy! <laughs> Hello and welcome back to "So You Think You Can't Feel," the only world-class competition for professional alexithyma—the suppression of emotions. How's everybody feeling tonight? Can you tell? Is it hard? Is it? Do you know? I do. I'm. Not, I don't have alexithyma. We're down to the top two. This is our shocking. Finale event. Of course, last week we said goodbye to Geet Finkus. Bye bye, Geet. You feel too deeply for us. At the sending off ceremony, Geet did registered a small amount of motion in space. We caught it on camera three and camera seven. So tonight, our top two, a single mother from South Dakota, Huli Booley. Welcome back.
1: Thank you so much for having me. So, Hooli, how are you feeling tonight? I have no idea.
0: All right, calm down, folks, calm down. Okay, so hooli-booli, you know, it's in the bag. All the votes are counted. You might be going home tonight the winner. You might be going home in second place. How does that feel?
1: I'm, you know, well, as you and everyone else knows, my parents never hugged me when I was a child and expected way too much from me. So it was too much for me to deal with. So I don't know. I, I don't know what I was feeling now or then.
0: Incredible. Folks, please, please, please. We've heard it before. Come on. So last week it was close. You know, the judges said it was between you and Geet. You squeaked out ahead. How did that feel?
1: Well, you know, people are saying, you know, didn't that feel humiliating or did you feel worried or vulnerable? Were you hesitant at all? Ashamed, cranky, distraught, depleted, devastated? Did you hate Geet? do you feel hopeless or heavy-hearted and you know what i say to all of that is what do those words mean i have no idea what you're talking about incredible that's
0: hooli booley, folks single mother from north dakota and one of our finalists next up a mechanic and the second oldest of eight brothers scrump
1: bumpo welcome back how are you feeling tonight i don't know what i'm feeling why would you ask
0: me that incredible hey please calm down scrum bumpo you've been a fan favorite from the beginning because of your no i don't want to put any feelings on you but your attitude is something the audience goes wild for how does it feel to get that kind of feedback as someone who's not really aware of how they're coming off
1: i don't know it doesn't feel like anything who cares what they're doing i don't care about anything
0: so mr bumpo there's been a lot of speculation as to where sort of the roots
1: of your alexithymia could be. Can you spread any light on that? I don't know, it's stupid. I mean, people always say that I'm hostile or that I'm gloomy, filled with despair, that I seem irritated, disgruntled, suspicious, and I'm just like, I don't think that I feel those. I don't like the idea that I feel those things. Like, that's fucked up. If I feel those things all the time, as much as people say I do, it's fucking stupid, you know? Fuck that, that's not true.
0: Well, it's easy to see scrump why they like you so much. You've got a way about you. So last week, you had a gap in the call in votes ahead of Hoolibooly and Geet Finkas, who was eliminated. How do you think it would feel to win?
1: If I'm being completely honest with you, it doesn't fucking matter to me. Whatever people want, I guess. I don't know. All
0: right now, folks, the votes are counted. We had the Colin show last night. We had the feats of non-feeling. We showed them all sorts of things. They did not react. It was incredible. Kept me on the edge of my seat. Some people were saying, and the voting's finished so I can say this, some people were saying on the social media websites that they saw Scrump, Bumpo, Crack a Smile during
1: one of the funny videos. I don't know why everybody cares so much.
0: That's scrumped. That is scrump in a nutshell, everyone. Incredible. And Huly, you know, there was some commentary as well that when it came to some of the touching videos, reuniting families, gay kids coming out to their parents, some were saying that you looked touched, even moved some set. And again, not my words.
1: I just want to dispel any rumors of that. The only moving I did during that moment was to shift uncomfortably in my seat because I'd been sitting for a while. So that's it, that's the only move I felt. Hooli bully, folks, amazing. It's
0: now time to tally the votes. Can we get the drum roll? Now I want to remind both of you that no matter who wins tonight, you are both totally out of touch with your emotions. Neither of you can recognize them or describe them, win or lose,
1: you clearly both have promise with this. Oh, thank you.
0: And the winner is Hooli
1: Oh, whatever, I didn't care anyway. Yeah, oh, oh, man. If I knew what excitement was, I think I'd be feeling it right now.
0: And I just want to note, folks, cameras 7 and 15 have caught Scrump Bumpo crying about his second place finish.
1: Uh, well, it looks like we made the right decision, audience, didn't we?
0: That's right. He feels too deep. Now, say it with me, folks. He, he feels too deeply to be among us. us. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks to our runner-ups, Scrum Bumpo and Geek Finkus, and hooly booly what are you gonna do with the money? How does this feel?
1: Well, it feels pretty much the same as any other day or moment, but as far as what I'm going to do with the money, we're going to Xenon World. Me and the kids, the whole family. That place is amazing. They implant the fun right at the source.
0: Well, I think all of us here, well, at least those of us that can tell are happy for you. That's all the time we have this season, folks. We'll see you next season when we try to find a barrel full of people who can't feel and weed them out one by one for feeling too much. Thank you so much. Spay and neuter your pets, wear your seatbelt, and eat your vegetables, as we always say on So You Think You Can't Feel, I Don't Know, Shitty. Jumping back to the feels versus reels thing. The whole concept that the most reasonable, logical conclusion is going to come out in an alexithymic state, I think is wrong it's true that you can get carried away. Like you can think of times you might say something you regret to a friend or something like that, if they piss you off or whatever, you don't really mean it. It's not really what you'd really like to say to your friend if you thought about it, but it just slipped out yeah. because they piss you off or whatever. Like that's true. But then there's also the other side, which is that if we're approaching problem solving in regards to our own lives, but also in regards to the world, firing these emotional suppressors and refusing to allow us to admit what we're feeling, then we're going to come to horrible decisions in other ways. Like we're going to, continue to uh, maybe take abuse from someone that you're saying this isn't real abuse i don't really feel it is it the most rational thing in the world to not feel harmed not feel violated to suppress those emotions is that going to make you come to a better conclusion about what to do in a situation where you're being repeatedly like emotionally or physically abused by someone no obviously not like you need emotions to come to good conclusions especially about interpersonal matters it's so key but also in the society level like I think emotions are really tied up in ethics and the sense of outrage that people feel at injustice or suffering from people, the harm to others, these sort of things are rooted in emotions. And the Ben Shapiros of the world, because they want to preserve the way that things are, the idea that we're going to let those emotions into the political process is frightening to him because those emotions carry a lot of good points. If he says, "Okay, I think that epistemologically, there are things that are larger than emotions in the universe that are more important when you're looking at objective reality. However, I acknowledge that people's experiences carry some insight into the way the world should be. His whole argument falls apart he needs to pretend they're the same he needs to pretend they're all like flatten it all up and be like the world doesn't care about it
1: yeah and it, it, facts don't care about your feelings it's like saying facts don't care about other facts like in that feelings are things in the world that happen and it's like to some extent that's true facts don't care about other facts like whether this chair exists, doesn't care about what What day of the week it is or something like, (laughs) facts don't care. A
0: a fact can't care. A fact is a construct of human beings. It's conceptual. It's purely conceptual. It has no subjectivity. So obviously, like just in a pedantic sense here, in no way could facts ever care about anything because they don't carry sentience like humans do. Humans care deeply about their feelings. They care about each other's feelings, too. And politics is the realm of human interaction on a large scale. So if you're talking about politics, then feelings are important.
1: Yeah, the idea that feelings can be removed from politics is bizarre. So much of politics is about ensuring we have a society where people can thrive and like experience positive, joyful life and emotion and like negative emotions too. And like the whole spiel. but like, we want all the good things in life. Like that's what politically people are after. Basically everybody in their own fucked up ways. Sometimes <laughs> it's like, I want all the good things in life. There's positive emotions. Like that's what we love. <laughs> So it's it's a huge part of it. And like any interpersonal interaction, emotions are a huge part of it. Like unless you have pre-agreed to like emotions are ruled out and we're all really good at that, we're doing a debate and it's just logic.
0: It's true there are many people who engage in politics who consciously center the creation of joy, the eradication of pain. These sort of things are consciously in their politics. But I think for the vast majority of political people, they don't really think of it that way. And it creates kind of a space for alexithymic modes of politics, like you're talking about, like the debate club sort of mentality, but not just in like you think of debate club as maybe having a connotation of like a certain subsection of say, like a status quo kind of liberal person being alexithymic in this way of like debate club rules. I know all of the bureaucratic things. I want to work as the clerk of a legislature someday or something, you know, like some political science person. No offense to the poli folks. But there's also types of alexithymic politics in conservative or radical or leftist politics, communist politics, where, like, there's no joy and there's no anger. It's just strategy and very serious. And I feel like there's an alexithymic strain within some political organizations I've interacted with and stuff like that of, like, this over-seriousness. Yeah. But I'm just thinking of, like, the laughter within politics and how it relates to, like, sorrow and anger in politics and how much like I've enjoyed in the show exploring, you know, we do comedy bits, but also exploring
1: sadness sometimes also. Mm-hmm. It almost
0: feels like, I don't know, the mirthfulness and the this exploration of sadness are connected in some way. I
1: think to some extent you can be more or less alexithymic with certain emotions, like I said before, but also to some extent you're turning the suppressors on and off, or there's a dial of like how much it's on or off. So like, The more you open yourself up to joy, And hope and happiness, like, the more you're also opening yourself up to sadness and despair and, like, fear and whatever else. So both of them, to some extent, are, like, the opposite of the archetype of the very serious political person or group or, like, no nonsense. And included in nonsense is emotions.
0: Yeah. To be emotionally moved by seeing, like, a child reunited with their parents is a sign of weakness and, and goofiness. To be driven to outrage by a parent and a child being separated by police. Goofiness. Those emotions Yeah, have you no can place maybe have like
1: a tight, quick look of anger across the face. Maybe a tasteful tear at the reunion. Perhaps as long a as disapproving you... polemic. Oh yeah, absolutely. But don't mention your emotion in the polemic. It'll just be sealing through the whole thing. Yeah, just... (laughs) That's the other thing about keeping emotions out of politics that's so funny to me is like you read political tracks, there's a lot of emotions in there. Even if they're not like, I feel this, or like feeling this, feelings that. It's like you feel the feelings a lot of the time.
0: And people are just driven to do politics for emotional reasons. Like there's no
1: driven to do everything for emotional reasons. It's why we move. If we just had perfect comfort or no fluctuations in our emotion, we wouldn't, there's no doing anything. So
0: yeah, maybe in Ben Shapiro's perfect utopia, we'd all be static, motionless, contented beings outside of time, but guess what? This is reality, Ben, and reality doesn't care what you want. In reality, emotions are a subcategory of fact. Emotions factually happen. You can factually talk about them in aggregate. You can factually talk about how they're connected to behaviors. They are part of the nexus, the matrix of facts. They are an important part of it, Ben. And if you leave that part out, I'm sorry to say, but you're not going to understand reality. And even if you don't want that to be true, Ben, I'm sorry. Reality doesn't care about what you'd prefer. Reality doesn't care that we don't live in an Ayn Rand novel. Reality's just going to do its thing. So please try to catch up, Ben Shapiro. Welcome back to Confirmation Bias News, Xenon Group. The producer of the world-famous Mask, which stops all visible emotions, has announced a new product. Isn't that right?
1: Yes, the Emotionless Mask has been overtaken technologically by the Emotionless Mask 2, otherwise known as Xenon Eternia Nosad Workwear.
0: This is the moment of miracles. This is the moment of dreams, when the innovators from on high bring something down.
1: The Workwear has an FPF, feelings protection factor, of 40,000. The Emotionless Mask only got up to a about 500 at best, but usually closer to 40 a shameful FPF. Frankly, the technology to do better just did not exist until a private company decided to fix this problem. My side job from the news is also to advocate for this company. Well, I
0: think that's good for the news audience because they get to see you as a trusted name associated with the Xenon Group, a household corporation. It actually makes the news more
1: believable. I'm right inside the company, so I know what's going on and I can bring that news directly to the people. And it's easy to use. You put on your uniform. You plug it in at the base of your spine. It just wicks the sadness. It wicks everything. It's a patented fabric.
0: That's incredible. The patented fabric emoji thread has the sadness wick technology. It's currently only available to employers for employees so they don't cry about lost relatives or even just typical existential despair Mm. and look i know what the haters at home are going to be saying hey isn't this a news show shouldn't you be covering matters of public interest well we are listening to audience feedback they're asking for product updates they're asking for deals when we did an investigative expose on why the mayor is corrupt zero people watched they just tuned in for the ads.
1: And if I may jump in here, you know, I'm all for presenting both sides of the issues and having varying perspectives on the news. But The people advocating against this amazing development are terrorists who offer nothing to the discourse. They literally want you to feel sad at work. It's just unpleasant to experience like a sad barista in Starbucks. Nobody wants that. That's what these terrorists want to inflict on people.
0: What more of a disturbing thing can you advocate for politically than wishing sadness upon the workers of the world without reason? You must be one sicko terrorist. But here on Confirmation Bias News, we don't just show one side, which is why we now go to the celebrity panel where we've brought on a terrorist.
1: I am an activist, not a terrorist, who just thinks that we should leave people's emotions alone and that an FPF of 40 to 500 is good enough
0: hello i'm a marketing manager at xenon group and i'm here to argue that the xenon uh, attorney and no sad Workwear with sadness work technology is a world historic contribution to the technology that moves our society forward hey mark see
1: you at the xenon offices friday for that meeting anytime anytime uh, and i'll put on a mask at work no one has to see my sadness but really these uniforms plug in at the base of the spine I don't think that's right. That's just what I think. It's not a terrorist thing. It's a misunderstanding.
0: Criminally insane terrorist is out of control, should be locked up for this sort of talk. I have to dignify this with a response. Ever since we rolled out Sadness Wick technology in the corporate sector, we've got people showing up to work like never before to have moments away from their sadness. All of the bosses are loving it. They just love having happy little workers. That's always been their dream. It seems everyone in the world loves it except for you. So you're sort of like a villain from a Christopher Nolan Batman.
1: Look, my father wore a mask, emotionless mask one. My grandfather wore a mask and my great grandfather helped invent the emotionless mask. These uniforms are an affront to God and society. (laughs) Should we all walk
0: around in loincloths with clubs making cave drawings?
1: Hmm. Well, maybe we should. And while I don't condone it, maybe I will say that it's just understandable that sometimes people get violent over this issue.
0: Now, this is a deranged madman who should be deplatformed, calling for public violence to stop the flow of technology towards ever more new plateaus of a lack of sadness at work. Can someone please send this man to jail? That is an incredible debate. Had me on the edge of my seat there. As you can see, the officers are taking him, him away now.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad we had them on standby. And really just what a demonstration for the people listening out there for what happens to terrorists who oppose the new uniforms and speaking of terrorists
0: who oppose the new uniforms I think our friend over there is going to be shocked to find out about the new emoti thread attorney nomad prison wear with anger wick technology that we're going to be rolling out in just a few short months so uh, if he's got any anger about what's happened to him better let it out now because soon enough All prisoners will be incapable of feeling that dangerous, dangerous feeling.
1: Perfect. You know, it's sad that we have to punish him for the rest of his life for what he did, because with that Angerwick technology, he could probably be a productive member of society again. Uh, If only punishment wasn't necessary. Oh
0: yeah, you know what they say. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, comma, but it's impossible.
1: Next up, an investigation into just how much money Chester Z. Xenon has given to charity. Spoilers, it's a lot. And he owns most of the charity, so that's just smart businessmanship too. Uh, What a great guy.
0: I mean, donating to a charity is incredible, but owning a charity? You must be an incredibly generous man. When I think about feelings and politics, something that comes to mind for me right away is some of the experiences I've had organizing with political parties or political campaigns, places like the Occupy camp that I was staying at. A lot of political disagreements and like a lot of the splitting that the left is known for of like having these groups split up or like people at each other's throats, it's often phrased in terms of highfalutin ethical political struggles relating to the importance and ranking of one's quality of arguments. But with a little bit of archaeology on that, a little bit of genealogy on the roots of these conflicts, in my experience and what I've seen in person, It's actually less a debate about like policy differences or even strategy differences in a lot of cases. And it's more an argument about who hurt the other person's feelings first, except we're all supposed to not have any feelings. Like even people who are against that sort of feelings erasure themselves participate to this in a certain degree, because it's almost like, I don't know, I feel like politics in a way, it's like you're showing up for a very technical process where you're figuring out strategically How to analyze and intervene in society, what sort of policies, regimes, or situations and experiences that you want to bring out of the situation. So it feels sort of like technical in a sense. People want to argue in terms of these schematics, these like competing schematics, because that matches our idea of what politics should be like. And it matches our idea of ourselves as someone who's doing their best to be ethical and rational and not moved by their own biases, but rather. By these sort of like pulling forces of solidarity, justice, or whatever.
1: Yeah, but that is like one of the biggest problems with trying to just be rational. You're going to end up confusing your rational arguments with your emotions and not knowing the difference. Like trying to set one of them aside. There's no aside to set it to. You're still in your body. You're still feeling the feelings and the thoughts that it makes are still happening. So Thinking you're going to set it aside, you don't actually set it aside, and then it's just alive in ways that aren't being directly acknowledged or maybe are directly acknowledged, but the extent to which they're actually the thing isn't directly acknowledged. Because like two of the things our brains do when we're having feelings that we're uncomfortable with is either try to justify why we're right and why the feeling makes sense and like figuring things into the feelings... And then the other thing that it might try to do is the opposite and try to explain why the feeling doesn't make sense. I was trying to think of a political example, but a pretty clear example is like you ask somebody out and then they say no, and then you're like, oh, whatever, I didn't like them that much anyway, and they have all these negative qualities and whatever. Even though 20 minutes ago, you were only thinking about their positive qualities. That's like the opposite. It's not trying to justify why you feel hurt. It's trying to cover up for the fact that you feel hurt by arguing against it. So both of those things are like rationalization machines that can latch onto all different kinds of like theoretical arguments and things too. Work their two purposes, these two parts of our brain.
0: Robert Anton Wilson metaphorically in one of his books, talks about the thinker and the prover in your brain So the thinker makes an assertion like so and so isn't good for me anyways. so it's okay that I was rejected. and then the prover proves it, and it's this part of your brain that just think of unlimited reasons to prove whatever you're thinking. right and He uses a sort of like a cynical argument, basically saying everyone's politically biased a lot or biased by their reality tunnel, the history that they came through, you know, whatever the thinker thinks the prover is going to prove. Yeah, it, that's definitely my experience, too. I've also just so strongly noticed along those lines and along the lines of what you're saying of like, if I'm upset about something, I can think of the worst angle of any random thing that you mentioned. Like, if I'm upset about something going on in my life or whatever, and I'm like, oh, I'm, I fucked this up, like, blah, blah, blah. And then someone's like hey sean nacho chips i'm like oh the powder gets all over your fucking hands it's like <laughs> you know like it doesn't matter you just throw it at, like yeah and i will also sort of believe it's objectively true because whatever the thinkers thinking
1: the prover is going to prove sometimes i think about a lot of the way we talk about things on our show that way you know we've been living in this society where a lot of fucked up shit happens all the time and it's easy to feel a lot of despair so there's parts of both of our brains that I think are pretty well developed that we're like, no, not despair. Here's all the reasons why hope. It's interesting. So are you saying that the optimistic
0: narratives that we spin are a type of emotional rationalization of trying to cover for the hurt that we feel from living in a society that's obviously not going well?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. At least I'm not saying it's only that. But I think that's part of it. Like, it's not always bad or good. It's just a thing that happens when people feel things.
0: So if we assume that everyone is harmed, that we're surrounded by the walking wounded, that this society takes a bite out of everyone in different ways. Yeah. I think there really only is two options. I mean, well, I guess there's never only two options to anything. There's two main directions there, and it's exactly what you're talking about. is either pretending you're not wounded or finding ways to hide your wound, or maybe you can acknowledge it a bit or whatever, but like push the wound aside and be like, no, but this, because in 2020, Bernie's going to come back.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Or there is the black pill, like the other main direction is, oh, it's all hopeless. It's proof that it's hopeless. It's proof that I should just avoid thinking about it. Electoral politics has fallen. The power will not cede anything through these means. And maybe the world's hopeless altogether. Maybe there's nothing that we can do (laughs) at all. You know, I like to think that I strike the right balance between these two coping strategies from the chunks of me that the world takes out in a day-to-day. It's weird, yeah, because you're like, this political context, like, it's hard to think of what you're supposed to do with all of that.
1: I don't think one of those two directions is like, right or wrong, or there's a thing you're supposed to do. I guess the other major direction is ignoring it and there's a whole bunch of rationalizations around too about why things are fine. You know, Steven Pinker getting better all the time. (laughs) We're on the upward trajectory. So there's actually no problem at all.
0: (laughs) Steven Pinker style violence is going down. I just knew Epstein for science purposes. And we tend to catch people (laughs) like Epstein more than ever before. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'd like to specifically say, I think Pinker probably was just Connected to Epstein for the science funding purposes. That makes sense. But it's also because of that same naivety of Steven Pinker that such a thing could happen. There wouldn't be an Epstein type person. Look at this graph. We're catching more pedophiles each year than this. <laughs> we now go to a man who suffered severe memory loss following a head injury and the memory specialist who's been assigned to remind
1: him what feelings are. All right, come on in, have a seat. Thank you for seeing me so quickly. I'm a memory specialist, and you lost some pretty important memories, so. Yes, what are feelings? Yeah, it's actually a bit difficult for me to describe to someone. It's like, how could I describe red to you if you had forgotten colors, right? I'd have to point at something red. Mm. So forgive me for saying this, but I find you an exceedingly ugly loser. Uh Okay, so All you right. notice that, or you do you feel? Is there anything going on inside your body right now?
0: Uh, yeah, I guess I've got a sort of tightness, a little bit of... Uh, I noticed
1: your nostrils are flaring, and you bared your teeth for a second. I also see that you've started to sweat a little bit. It's
0: coming to, um, I almost want to say, almost like shirking away and then coming back, but cold. Does that make
2: sense?
1: What you pro- just experienced is a whole bunch of feelings. I think, like, probably pain maybe humiliation. Could be some self-hatred in there. I'm not sure. Probably anger at me, hatred towards me. And so I know that's a lot. It's hard to just isolate and make you feel one feeling at a time to teach you what it is. So I know it's going to be hard to disentangle all that for you, but that was a bunch of feelings. It's usually how they come in big bunches like that.
0: And so feeling is some sort of... Yeah, go further, please.
1: Um, well, okay, so emotions, they come from the limbic system in our brain.
0: Oh, they happen in our brain.
1: They happen in our brain, but it's the part it of the brain. It feels like it's
0: something happening to you.
1: Yes, but it, it, it also feels like feelings in your body because the limbic system also is responsible for regulating like automatic behaviors and movements. Imagine if a tiger was running at you right now with bared teeth. Uh-huh. You probably feel really scared. That's the word, scared.
0: When I think about that, I almost feel a bit of tension and prickles almost.
1: Yeah, and you probably want to run. Like you'll feel like adrenaline flooding your body. You'll feel prepared for action of some kind.
0: No, I can feel it in my legs if I think about
1: being like chased. Absolutely. Absolutely. Emotions affect literally tension in specific muscles and muscle groups, it affects posture and how we're holding ourselves and carrying ourselves, and it affects our thoughts and our actions and mediates our experience of the world in kind of like every way. They're one of the most basic building blocks of your experience. They're part of you all the time. The limbic system this automatic part of your brain before you even have time to think about what just happened you're already experiencing emotions about it it's the first thing it's the gut it's the tightness in your chest or pit in your stomach or like feeling twisted up on the inside
0: okay so that's emotions it's like a range of bodily feelings that are associated with different what what is that
1: so what they do they're trying to get you to correct something that's wrong or to keep doing something that's right. So positive emotions are reinforcements in behavior and negative emotions are disinforcements. So like you're going to be less likely to go towards tigers because fear is unpleasant. The experience of being chased by the tiger was bad. So like emotions they help point you in a direction of what you need to do. So that's why it's good to be aware of them. Yeah, it's a weird thing because it's almost like the emotion itself isn't a thing. What you have is the physical experiences of feeling it in your body and the thoughts that emotion produces. And we just like intuitively know there's a link between these things. And that's that link is the emotion. It's this abstracted thing that we made up called sadness, happiness. Not that we made it up because it's real, but it's slippery. Does that make some sense? I know this is weird and it's a lot.
0: Yeah, it seems like the sort of thing, it'll make sense. I'll get it more and more, I think. Yeah. How many feelings are there? Well, it's kind of more like, color,
1: you can kind of identify some big ones, you know, like there's the yellows and the reds and the greens and the blues, but they kind of mesh into each other and there's different notes within them. So I've seen things that say there's six basic emotions. I've seen things that say there's five or eight. I don't know how useful it is to try and determine what are the base notes and what like it's useful to know that some are related to each other like you know for example people often feel guilt and regret at the same time makes sense guilt is the feeling that you'll get if you do something wrong and you just kind of know you did something wrong and you feel bad about yourself and like oh I'm the kind of person who does something wrong that sucks that's guilt and then regret is the feeling of Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. And like, uh, just wishing you could go back to the past and change it, that's regret. So like they come together a lot of the time, usually some sadness mixed in, maybe anger, who knows? It's just one example. So yeah, here's a couple lists actually of some positive emotions and negative emotions. So I would just look over some of these different, there's even different kinds here. They organize them in different ways. It's really useful.
0: I think I got it as good as I'm going to get it in this room, Doc. I guess one last piece of advice. I don't remember emotions. I don't remember feelings. Mm, yeah. I feel like an outsider to it. Are there any emotions that I should like look out for?
1: Any bad ones? I don't know if I'd say there's emotions you should look out for. There's definitely emotions that if you're not good at recognizing them and you just start acting them out, which sometimes happens when people aren't good at recognizing feelings, they act them out, could cause people a lot of pain and suffering like hatred and anger if you do actions out of those emotions kind of thoughtlessly that can cause some damage sometimes i would i would say look out for all of them really you just gotta see what they are because it's always okay to feel whatever you're feeling that's an important thing to teach you about all this like sometimes it might be weird or inconvenient but not letting yourself feel what you're feeling is going to turn out worse for you in the end so I would say just yeah, be on the watch for all of them all the time. And oh, you uh, you dropped that. I think you might have some poor bodily awareness and clumsiness. It comes sometimes with severe emotional repression. It's because uh, it's you know you're disconnected from the feelings in your body, in the same way that you're disconnected from your feelings because they actually are the same thing a lot of the time. So sometimes people with repressed feelings are less aware of their body and their awareness of where it is in space and their proprioception and can be more clumsy and stuff. So just look out for that too in the meantime.
0: Cool. Thanks, doctor. I feel a hundred percent fixed.
1: Oh yeah. That's what we promise here. A hundred percent fixed in one five minute session. Glad it worked. You're a real pro doc. Is there any way I can tip you? Yeah, absolutely. Tip me in the app.
0: Oh, these apps make
1: connecting with a local doctor so convenient. On my schedule, that's something else. Yeah, I love it. I can just turn it on and off whenever I want and be like, accepting patients. Nope. Done for the day.
0: Those whizzes. Easy. Those whizzes over in the valley. Always the next level with them. Absolutely. Can't hold them down. They're too wild and free with their innovation.
1: (laughs) You can say that again.
0: All right, well, see ya. I'll make a really broad statement here. I think in the human population, we're dealing with degrees of alexithymia. Like alexithymia, I think, is a human condition. The vast, vast majority of people on earth are probably have some form of alexithymia based on
1: cultural context. And I don't think there's any really... Perfectly emotionally aware. Yeah, I don't I don't know enough about all cultures to say, but I think I agree.
0: My guess is that sort of like perfect emotionality, sort of like communism. Like we can't really define it yet. There's going to be a transitionary period.
1: The clinical alexithymia, I think they peg the prevalence around 10%. It's a bit higher in men than women. But in terms of alexithymia as a spectrum from perfect emotional awareness, enlightened being on one end to like clinical on the other end, I'm saying clinical is probably, I don't think it's a, it's not a diagnosis. It's a personality construct. I can't remember how they frame it. But in terms of it being a spectrum, I definitely think most people are more on that spectrum than we're all aware of. I wanted to talk a little bit about how people who feel like maybe there's some emotional things going on for them that they're unaware of, there's some behaviors that they're doing that they don't understand why they're doing them, that kind of stuff. I just wanted to give a bit of advice, I guess, on like how to figure out what you're feeling. The reason I became interested in this in the first place was like I was trying to do some journaling exercises maybe about a year ago you know you can find different sentence stems and things to try like journaling exercises and one of the things i tried was to write in nonviolent communication which the basic format of nonviolent communication is to say anything you want to say in the format of i feel x because my need for y was not being met and i found it like really like difficult to describe the problems i was having in my day-to-day life in that format because i was like well i don't know what actually, I'm feeling. So they have some handy lists on the nonviolent communication website that I printed out. And then I would just like look up and down the list when I was thinking about some time that I felt anxious, in quotes, or like shit, or whatever. And be like, oh, a list, okay, like remorseful, yeah, okay, rage, yeah, they just like ping out at you and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the one, that's rage, what I'm feeling. disgust, that's it. <laughs> rage and disgust, the two main emotions, <laughs> the ones you're allowed to have. Vulnerability, do I feel that? I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think we should just say for the record, we like things about MVC, but also I'm just really aware when you're doing it of being like, my needs not being met could be such a huge passive aggressive. Oh, yeah, Vi- form yeah. of and, violent communication yeah, like I yeah, felt yeah, this yeah. way when my need for respect was not being met I I've, can just I've imagine heard that. about
1: abusive people using it to try and like force people into their framing of like my feelings this and this and then frame their things through it and like, it can be a weird th- it's definitely not like everyone should just use this it's how to talk it's now. our new speak <laughs> yeah, yeah we're no, gonna no, really no, no.
0: really become emotionally valid by the big, holding the, each other hostage to
1: these lists of needs that are never discussed outside of the context of conflict. Yeah, totally. The feelings lists mostly, I found really useful. Also, in terms of figuring out what you're feeling or keeping your attention on what you're feeling, which can be difficult. Like you just want to look away, look towards something else. Something that's really useful is focusing on the sensations in your body, how the feelings feel in your body try and locate where you're feeling it or what you're feeling. Like, Does it feel warm? Does it feel like tightness? Does it feel like energy? Like you want to move it? And I've never really like tried to match all that to specific feelings, right? It's a bit arcane. I don't really care, but just like putting the attention on the physical sensations is like part of like what helps you actually like process a feeling or like just get to know it a little bit and like know what's going on because focusing on like kind of feeling the whatever the feeling is in my body and then like looking at the list and I would feel like. When you ping one and you get it right, it's like that part of the feeling, like it doesn't go away, but it kind of changes a little bit. I don't know how to say this other than like it feels seen like, oh, you noticed me, like I was trying to alert you <laughs> to this problem. That's kind of like what the experience of it was for me. And so that one I found like really useful. Another way is to think about the situation you're in but depersonalize it from yourself a little bit. Like if somebody broke up with you and you're having a lot of feelings and you're not quite sure if you know what all of them are, like all the whatever's in the whole bundle there, it can be useful to be like, okay, well, what do people who get broken up with in this way that it happened to me? Like, you know, they sent a text message and didn't come by, like whatever the details are. If that happened to someone, how would they feel? And then you might be like, oh, they would feel pain. They might feel ashamed, sad, angry. And you'd be like, oh yeah, all those, right? You get so lost in like your own perspective on things that just to be like, if this happened to someone can be a useful way to make your brain work again and figure it out.
0: I think I would have to be reminded of it if I was like really choked, but I encountered the thought exercise once in some context. I'm really struggling to remember where it came from, but if you can get to that space where you're thinking about if this happened to someone, what would they be feeling? And then also the other question, if this happened to my friend, what would I tell them? How would I navigate this as advice for another person? So this thought exercise that I've found really, really powerful is thinking about what it's like to see someone who's struggling. Like say like there's an old guy with too many bags of groceries. He's like struggling, he's gonna fall down think about that and feel that urge in yourself to just go over there and like grab a bag for him and like help him the rest of the way to his car and like feel that real urge like if you just really think about someone struggling like that instinct you can pinpoint it in yourself when it fires off of like i'll help and then think about how when you're struggling other people who see that will have that ping and like i found that so comforting reassuring yeah yeah. Yeah. along those same lines of like really psychedelic thought experiment but if you can hit this It's really powerful, which is like, if I cared about me, what would I want me to know?
1: Yeah. It's a bit of a brain twister to think, but like, yeah, it's exactly right. Or like if someone else was in my situation, like what should their friends tell them?
0: Yeah. Or like, what would be exactly what that person needs to hear? Because you know what you need in a way, like you can feel like, you know what you need to hear, but you might be afraid to tell it to yourself but you'd be willing to tell it to a hypothetical person that someone else was helping in your imagination. And maybe we can trick ourselves into having more emotional intelligence, basically.
1: Yeah, it's like a way of getting over that block. Like a lot of people have trouble feeling that they're as worthy of help as other people or that they're good enough or that they're okay or not fucked up or whatever and it's like you're using the fact that you're more empathetic towards other people than to yourself to get the information you need about what you need to hear and then like to be like hey self this thing that you need to hear i think that can be like really really powerful for people but i think it can also sometimes if people aren't able to genuinely say it to themselves then it just sounds like you know nothing or like doesn't work
0: and that's why i think in order for this epic heist, this emotional heist, this scam that you're playing on yourself, in order for it to work out, you have to really be thinking about someone else when you're putting it together, like helping someone else. And then trick yourself into thinking it with
1: the knowledge that it actually applies to you. Other ways to know what you might be feeling if you don't know is like sometimes people use physical metaphors, like, oh, it felt like a punch to the gut or like...
0: Slap in the face.
1: A slap in the face. Things like that can sometimes also be clues. Like, what does someone who got punched in the gut feel? What does someone who got slapped in the face feel? Both in the literal and metaphorical sense. It can all be clues. you got to kind of explore.
0: When I think of a difference there, I feel like a punch in the gut is more of a dishonor, whereas a slap in the face is more of a humiliation. To slap in the face is sort of like goofy, like, gotcha. like
1: Yeah, there's also something about gut punch that it was visceral and like, oh, they got me down there, you know, like it was like, a low blow. What what kind of feeling is that? I guess it's also kind of like a... Dishonor and humiliation are similar, but there's a flavor difference.
0: Humiliation, I almost think of like being surrounded and made lesser to a group, whereas dishonor or like the gut punch kind of thing is like... Betrayal, maybe. Yeah, it's more fraternal. But to be dishonored is like to be turned on in a way. So it's like elements of humiliation and betrayal.
1: Yeah, I have to think more about betrayal because I don't think that's a feeling either but it definitely evokes feeling like I get it when you say I feel betrayed but according to NVCA it's technically not it's a judgment it's about what the other you betrayed me is what it means basically and then the other major way I think is like probably one of the best ways in combination with these other things is to like talk to other people about What happened? Like, if there's a particular thing that's happening, a behavior having feelings around either talking to the people involved or talking to someone else about it, it's really useful to have a sounding board. And like, you can use a journal and you can think things through smartly yourself and get there. But sometimes it's just best to tell other because other people are smart and they can help you with things a lot of the time
0: yeah on those lines i'll just make a tiny nitpick in language i don't like the term sounding board because boards are an object and the sounding boards in our lives are people and the value of it is not that we're piling something on a board but that we're engaged in a process of rationality, which is interaction. Exactly. I think the really important part about what makes this strategy so great, talking to other people for helping cope with emotional issues or feelings issues. The reason it really works is because ethics is something that we build together in conversations and reason, reasonability, rationality is something that we build together in conversations. You ever had the experience where you're like trying to tell someone about a fight you had or something but before you're even saying it, you're like, oh, I have to leave this part out. And like you ha- <laughs> like you have this sort of like self-censoring. When you're becoming aware that you're telling your version of the story, the specific experience I'm trying to pinpoint here is like, even when you begin a conversation, even before you hear back from someone, you're already making sense of what happened in a new way based on knowing they're going to hear it, which is really, really beneficial when you try to tell the story of someone yeah. else being an asshole. Right. And before you can get it out of your mouth, you're like, fuck, they're going to say I'm the asshole.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> because like sometimes you just need that like outside perspective or even the threat of the outside perspective to kick your brain into gear. And sometimes just other people can like, you know, this is an easy conversation always to have, but sometimes like how you're feeling is obvious to everyone except you. And if people are trying to tell you how you're feeling, maybe they're just wrong. And that's totally possible. Like if you're actually thinking about it or trying to, and you feel like they're wrong, you're probably right. But usually when you actually think about it, you're like, oh yeah, maybe they had a point. I had this feeling a bit. Not always, but it's another way to figure out what you're feeling sometimes is to listen to what people are telling you or even to just see how people are reacting to you because the way people react to us is based on the emotions we're projecting a lot of the time.
0: Earlier in the episode, I felt like I was coming into this like more of an emotional ninja than I really am. And like the more I'm thinking about this, like, So much of this stuff is resonating with tiny things. One thing that comes to mind, I see it in other people all the time. I can remember experiences in my life like this. And it's like the social, political, and economic regulatory constructs of our society create an ideology of anti-emotions that permeates our being and incentivizes retreating into alexithymia. There's been so many experiences in my life where... For example, it's just a little one. Imagine the feeling of mild disappointment. You're looking forward to something and then it can't happen. And I can think of so many times in my life where I acted like it was just okay because it was small. But having a small problem is different than everything being okay.
1: Yeah, I had a big thing where like, I think the way I used to understand whether or not I was angry at somebody based on growing up and like how my family interacted and stuff was I'm get angry at someone and then I sit and think about whether I should be angry at them. And like, I have enough mental gymnastics in my head as like listeners probably could guess to like explain why I should never be angry at anyone ever. So then I'm not that's just not how feelings work. Like <laughs> you're still feeling angry. That's the counter rationalization thing. Like, Oh, I don't have to, I don't have to feel angry. And that's easier. It's easier to not have to feel angry because then nobody will think I'm angry at them. And then they might get angry at me and just it's easier to stay away from the whole thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And then you come out of like you're angry, Reflection room having decided that being angry is wrong, and you're like, you return to the table and you're like, How's everyone doing? <laughs> <laughs> Just came to some rational conclusions in there that were really enlightening.
1: Yeah. And I guess the only other thing I'll say about like figuring out what you're feeling is that sometimes it's not based on the situation that's currently going on. It's based on some other situation, either surrounding it in your life around that time or something that happened in your past that is still alive for you, still a raw wound and could be any amount of time between those things. So like sometimes if you're like, oh, I understand why I'm angry about this, but I don't understand why I'm this angry about this or why it hurts this much. So that like it, the direction makes sense, but not the amount. Sometimes that can be a clue that there's something else going on from before. One thing that I found helpful for figuring these out is thinking about, like, this feels just like the time that I X, or like, this always happens to me, or like, if you ever have those kinds of thoughts, like, oh, I'm in this situation, and it just feels the same, like it's the, ah, oh, the, this again. Those are the things, like you want to dig into those and see what those are, because those are the things that like spark up when something reminds you of it, and then it feels both like you're reacting to the current thing, but also to all the previous things that are bundled into this thing.
0: I think I've got a really good example of this from today. I think we came to an emotional breakthrough about my history together off mic, because I was talking about how, although I don't actually mind doing dishes, something about starting doing dishes compared to other things feels so strongly insurmountable to me.
1: Yeah. I just asked you what was so unpleasant about it. Like, cause I was like, it's, I don't like doing dishes, but the way you're describing it it seems like really unpleasant. Like why?
0: And I know that it's an irrational feeling too. Cause like, it's not even hard. It doesn't take long. I'd rather do it than clean a toilet, but I feel, I don't feel that in starting cleaning a toilet the same way I clean toilets almost every day. I, I like to give the toilet a little wipe down, even if it's not my dirt. Hey, call me crazy. Some of these <laughs> toilets are disgusting. You use a little toilet paper, clean it up a little bit for everyone. Sure, yeah. Don't mind at it all. It's the dirtiest shit in the world. It's gross. Why dishes? Why this? You know? And yeah, you asked about it, but you also said, you know, as long as you do them right away, if they stack up, it can be really bad if it's gross, if there's pools oh, yeah, yeah, of water. Yeah, that was
1: for me, the disgust. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that connected to a time early in my roommateship where two dear friends of mine did a combination between... A prank and also a community justice initiative. So we had an enormous stack of dishes, the worst dishes we'd ever had at the house. And we're all like young, newly moved out, guys who used to have dishwashers. Yeah. You know, like th- we're learning about dishes really together. And someone in the house lets some standing water sit and the water is like black. It's the grossest thing. We all know it's gross and we never came together to talk about it. Two of the three of us came together to talk about it, said, well, I did dishes then, and you did dishes then. Now, these are much smaller dishes, but they did the dishes.
1: The last two dishes, Mm. batches that were done.
0: But Sean hasn't done dishes since then. So it's his turn. Yeah. (laughs) And so what we're going to do is drive away to go camping and partying... good friends
1: uh, yeah that's and that's... leave
0: a note for sean saying basically after he comes home from work tired oh i'm working for minimum wage for fucking <laughs> jeff bezos for whole foods it didn't belong oh, to where bezos are my then. friends
1: is something fun going on oh, oh yeah no, maybe we're all gonna party tonight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's friday oh what's this they're all away on a party vacation without me and it's my turn to <laughs> do the worst dishes i've ever seen in and I did it. I did. I was like, it's funny too. Cause like when I think about how unjust I felt it was, it's like, why did I do it? Like I should have waited for them to come back and negotiated that we're going to tackle this together. And yeah, I did hours of the grossest dishes in the world in the era before podcasts to listen to while you do them, just thinking about what they did to me. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the emotional beginnings of why dishes aren't just a chore. There's something that I didn't
1: want to admit like, that I hate. It sounds like deeply unfair. There's just a big sense of like doing dishes is fucking unfair.
0: I think this might help me. That we,
1: that we <laughs> That's awesome.
0: I like this example too because it's not a lot of examples like this. If you do inward work on this, <laughs> yeah. you're not going to want to talk about it on a podcast.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I feel almost relieved. Like I feel like let off the hook a bit. It makes sense now, right? That's one thing about like doing this stuff that always just like hit me so hard is like, oh, this isn't, I just don't randomly hate doing the dishes this much for no reason. Like that's unactionable. You can't do anything about that. You just hate them this much for no reason. When there's a reason and it makes sense, then there's like a story and like, you know what's going on. It gives you the information you need to improve.
0: Let's be clear. I never hated doing the dishes. I just always acted like I hated doing the dishes (laughs) no matter what. (laughs) and acted like the accusation that I hated doing the dishes was wrong.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so you're already on step two after, like, you figured out, you had figured out you hated doing the dishes. Like, the naming it part was done, and then today was a bit of, like, the archaeology part. No, but I think for a long time, I didn't think I hated it.
0: I just thought it was a coincidence that that was the one that...
1: Oh, oh, so was that today, too? Like, you didn't think you hated it, or...?
0: I didn't put it into words like that until today. Oh, okay. okay. The last couple of days I've been thinking about like, Right. There is something, like there's something specific about like, why can't I just quickly do dishes without thinking about it? The way that...
1: Yeah, it takes five minutes, whatever. I mean, depending how many they are, but...
0: But no, I think it all came together through our conversation. Huh. In a new way for me. That's cool. Yeah, it's kind of a dream to get that on mic. (laughs) Yeah, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) We missed part of it. And it matches the beginning of the episode too, where you were talking about procrastination and you were like, diagnose me, Aaron. Does that mean I have feelings I'm not aware of? And I don't know if it's the same thing, but like procrastinating, doing the dishes. Is that what you were thinking about? Definitely one of the main culprits of procrastination. And I think I could probably do the same with animation.
0: I've lost animation. I've lost huge amounts of work forever. Anytime I lose work, I lose productivity, and, like, it's something I need to, like, recently in this animation I've been animating, I lost some stuff, and, like, oh, I just haven't got back over that hump, like. (laughs) Right, yeah, it sucks. Some fucking emotions underneath the procrastination. We now go to the old
1: necromancer sketch. Hello, supplicant. Welcome to my crypt. Hi, how's it going? Good. Nice crypt. Thank you. How yeah, long I have you been do... doing necromancy? I, My parents brought me up in it. Dad was a necromancer. It's sometimes it's a family business. It's cool. weirdly traditional like that. When I was a
0: teenager, for five months, I was going to be a necromancer, but obviously Uh, it didn't happen.
1: Yeah, outsiders have trouble with it, though some stick it out and become just as good as anyone. Well, I've always said that
0: a necromancer shouldn't be judged by virtue of their birth. They should be judged by their necromancing. So I'm glad
1: that you agree. Yeah, that's great. So the most important question that we like to ask is, are your intentions pure? So just tell me a bit about the necromancy that you want from me.
0: His name is Buck. Best friend growing up, neighbors, did everything together, we graduated together, learned to drive together, double dates, you right. know, first kisses. I saw him become the person he was. He saw me. We had a we uh, have a special bond. We're really best friends. Oh, you were best friends. Yeah, I guess. I was kinda like looking at necromancy stuff right away. So I was sort of like, Yeah, he's dead, but you know
1: Oh, oh, I see. So at what the you're funeral saying, so. a lot of
0: people were like We'll miss
1: him. He's not coming back. How did that make you feel when they said that? I just
0: think they got a few facts wrong. A lot of people said that my speech was unusually stoic and calm, and I spoke as if he wasn't dead. Some people found that unnerving, but I found it calming.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, first I just want to say, I'm sorry for your loss that you experienced. I haven't had a loss. Right. And that ties into the second thing I wanted to say. So let me explain a bit more about what I mean by pure intentions in necromancy, because sometimes people don't quite get it. Sometimes people want to bring someone back from the dead because they had an unfinished life, and they really there was something they needed to accomplish, and it truly wasn't their time, and that person would be happy to be back. But sometimes the motivation is a little bit more about not wanting to deal with some of the facts about what happened and how you feel about what happened. And I'm a necromancer, I'll do whatever you pay me to do, but I'm legally and morally obligated to inform you that necromancy performed without pure intentions can have a lot of weird side effects. Like sometimes they stay corpses, sometimes they're turned like really evil, like movie character evil. That's not common, but it does happen. Sometimes they're just mad at you for pulling them out of heaven because their life was done and they were great. Sometimes they spread zombie diseases. There's a lot of things that could happen when the intentions aren't pure. So, you know, I'm pretty in touch with the spirit realm right now. And from what I'm sensing is that over the last 18 months, your friend has really come to terms with his own death. So the chances of side effects are really, really high. And morally, I advise you not to do this. As a shopkeeper, I advise you to do it.
0: There's a lot of stuff, actually,
1: that he, he didn't I'm, finish. I'm that really getting a sense of completion in the life's work.
0: Well, I think you're sensing wrong because there's, there's we used to go on a fishing trip every year. Yeah. Not this year.
1: Yeah. He missed that.
0: He's not going to miss next year with your help.
1: Yeah, see, this is one of the toughest parts of my job because I feel for you. I really, really do. And, like, I want to bring your friend back just to make you feel better. But without the pure intentions, again, I know I'm railing on this thing, it's going to turn out really bad. I think what will be better for you is to go fishing by yourself or maybe with another friend that day and talk about the times you had with your other friend and just honor his memory and let Buck be at peace and deal with you and how you feel about it. Yeah. He's been dead for a while,
0: I guess. Yeah. He, he's he's not still alive. He's not coming back.
1: Yeah, I don't think it would be the right choice. <sighs> I said some whack shit at that funeral. I think people will understand. <clears throat> oh, well. Uh, I feel bad. I feel like, is there any consolation prize I could offer you? Like, I could bring back... A TV show you really liked that's been canceled, maybe a comedy sketch from one of your favorite podcasts, Uh, something. I can bring other things back. It doesn't have the thorny moral issues. It's cheaper, too, like 50 bucks for a sketch, 200 bucks for a TV show.
0: Well, since you mentioned it, I'm seriously wrong. They used to do this bit called Keyboard Warrior. I thought it was funny. I love that. They stopped doing
1: it. Yeah. I got 50 bucks right here. Yeah, it's a deal. Wait,
0: are we sure that it hasn't come
1: to peace with its own death? I'm sensing a lot that it has to say, actually. Its work's not done. Its work is not done. And we need it now more than ever. Yeah. And it's just a quick ritual too, so... First the cash register... Oh wait, sorry, is this an affront to the natural order of things? Yeah, it is, but it's not like... Sort it's not of that a, big of an affront. I mean like... More of a cheeky way? Yeah, okay, exactly. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. So we get some chanting going light the candles and oh yeah it's wild how the wind is blowing in here now right we're indoors but there's wind that's magic for you oh yeah and the earth right there is cracking open now we just need everyone to yell we call to thee rise
0: oh sure sure yeah everyone listening at home too no matter where they are
1: yes please just go one two three we call to thee rise
0: we, we call, call to thee, rise! That is some fine necromancy right there. That's beautiful.
1: Oh, oh my god, it's so bright! I can barely see the light from beyond. I hear the horns! The horns!
0: Ah!
1: Welcome to Keyboard Warrior Radio Theater.
0: Xenon Group, why do you have to be so creepy? sadness wick technology that plugs directly into my feelings so i don't get sad at work wtf cry laugh emoji what's wrong with emotion stopping masks
1: Sorry, I don't know you very well, but why are you so mad about emotion wick technology? Once you put on one of these uniforms, it wicks everything that would make you an unproductive worker. What do you hate? Having rational conversations and debates? Imagine how much more rational this conversation would be if you weren't so mad right now about this technology. I'm not upset, cry laugh emoji.
0: I am having a great time and laughing, cry laugh emoji. I've just said what's wrong with plain old masks like the old days, like we've always used LOL, cry laugh emoji. Why do we need to tap into people's emotions and stop them with a workplace
1: fabric, lol? I guarantee that you're not laughing right now. You are humiliated because you know you've been owned in the debate by me, but are unwilling to concede to my more rational arguments. I'm not mad, you are.
0: And that's what's so funny to me, making me laugh. I sent a screenshot of this conversation to a group chat, and everyone
1: there laugh reacted and cry laugh emojied in the chat. Ha 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 projection. You're projecting onto me. It's classic. I studied psychology on YouTube. I know exactly what's going on inside that head of yours, Buster. You're like an open book to me. You find me annoying. I get under your skin. I just irk you. It just, ugh. it's like, ugh. that's what I'm like to you. You're so annoyed right now.
0: I don't find you annoying at all. I admire you. I think you're one of the nicest guys I've ever met. I want to become better friends with you over time. And I'm so glad that you chimed in on my wall. I want to welcome you into my life.
1: Wow, you don't find me annoying? And you like me? Nobody's ever said that to me before on the internet. You know, when I get like this, I know I'm being a jerk. Obviously I have some awareness that I'm doing this, but at the same time, it's always been a great escape for me from like shit going on in my life. When I was a kid, my parents would always fight all the time and going online to like own people about shit they were wrong about was the best. I just like forgot about everything going on. And the weird thing too, is they would always wear those emotionless masks while they were fighting, you know, just take the masks out. Just if you're going to fight, fight. I can hear how upset you are. You don't have to pretend with the masks. It was horrible. If my parents had had uniforms that plugged right in at the base of the spine and took away the feelings, my childhood would have been so much better.
0: Wow, you've got a real beautiful soul, and I could tell that from your first comment. Maybe that's why I was laughing so hard the whole time and not mad. I think part of my knee-jerk reaction against this Sadness Wick technology comes from a childhood experience as well, when i was young i so desperately wanted to get a replacement new refrigerator that would have an ice cube dispenser i begged and begged my parents please replace that old junker of a refrigerator it keeps the food cold enough but it doesn't have that fancy dispenser that i saw on the television please 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 can you give it to me And my family said fine we'll buy you this refrigerator because we care about you so much Our only boy. And so they bought that refrigerator and the ice cube dispenser was incredible for one wonderful night and during the night it was a defective model and it sparked, created a fire. Once the newspapers caught the house burned down, myself and my younger sister escaped, but my parents perished. And ever since then I've been distrustful of new technology, fancy things, because my own desire for them cost me my parents. So perhaps that's tainted my first response to the Xenon attorney and No Sad Workwear with Sadness Wick technology. I think it is impressive to have a 40,000 FPF cry laugh emoji.
1: LOL. That was a lot. Totally. You are right on the money about how impressive that FPF is. And thank you for sharing that about your life. If you think about it, if when your parents had died, you had had Xenon and No Sad Workwear, you wouldn't have had to experience the grief of their loss. And actually, the more that I think about it, if you had had uniforms when you were a small child, you wouldn't even have been dissatisfied with your refrigerator without an ice cube dispenser in the first place. So your parents would probably still be alive.
0: Wow, I never thought of it this way before, but opposing the Xenon Attorney and No Sad Workwear is literally advocating for children who have already lost their parents to also be sad for no reason. If your parents had been wearing the Xenon Attorney and No Sad Workwear with Sadness Wick technology, maybe they could have had a rational discourse and come to logical conclusions together. Maybe they would have stayed together and realized it was in your best interest.
1: It was the logical thing to do. The thing that I'm realizing now, though, is that the real problem with Xenon, Eternia, no sad workwear is that it's only available to people at work. The corporations are keeping this from us because they want to lure us to work. All I've been wanting to do since we got them at my job is go to work because there, there's no feelings. But why do I have to feel this at home? We need to liberate Eternia, workwear for everyone.
0: Yeah, why should no sad attorney only belong to the people at the top? Us little people gotta stick together and stand up for our right to sadness with technology. We can't settle for an FPF of 500, but more like 40 if you measure it. You and I maybe should start a life of professional activism together. What do you think? Cry laugh emoji.
1: That suggestion makes me laugh together with you as part of the group of friends of yours that are laughing. Because I would like nothing more than to organize in our community, in a professional fashion, to get these uniforms to everybody. My past life experience has given me insight into what I need to do to make the world better. That's how it works. That's how you learn those kinds of things. Let's laugh together all the way to a better future.
0: Made a new friend and laughing together with them towards frontiers of greater ethics, of greater justice. And that is something to cry laugh about. And so these two non mad and laughing friends went on together to organize in their communities and demand that Xenon Eternia No Sad Workwear be turned into Xenon Eternia No Sad Casual Wear. Because Sadness Wick technology does not belong to the bosses, it belongs to the workers. And everyone in their society from birth as a baby got clad in a Moti Thread PXC free DWR with FPF of 40,000 preventing them from ever experiencing any negative emotions for their entire lives. And anything that anyone predicted could possibly go wrong with that didn't, and it was perfect. The End.
1: we will see you next time for another episode of keyboard warrior radio theater so yeah i guess at the end of the day it's important to remember that feelings are actually like real things like in terms of your experience some of the most real things they happen immediately they're automatic it's like flinching away from a stove it's the first thing your brain does is feelings and then your thinking mind plays catch up afterwards to figure out what's going on they're the most visceral thing so if you're like not aware of how you feel or if you are aware of how you feel and you're at war with yourself about it you're like oh i shouldn't feel this way it's wrong for me to feel this way i'm a shitty person all that kind of stuff it's going to war with that automatic first pre-verbal base part of your brain part of yourself. Like you're gonna lose that battle every time. Like trying to like be like, no, I shouldn't feel this way. And like I don't like what it says about me or I don't like what other people will think about me if they know it or whatever reasons you have, if the way that you feel is wrong, then it like you feel like your just whole existence is unjustified because it's so core. It's so like in there.
0: Yeah, facts do care about your feelings. I mean, facts don't really care about anything because caring is an act of sentience. And in a technical sense, I'll give a half point to Ben Shapiro's catchphrase for that. But it's wrong in the sense, and I'll have to dock points for this. And actually, Ben Shapiro has to stay after class (laughs) in detention because we're teachers and he's a student. Right, of course. Because feelings are evidently, obviously, a subcategory of facts And an important category of facts and a category of facts that is dangerous to deny it's a category of facts that affects every moment of your waking day it's a category of facts that defines who you are as a person in many cases and it's a type of fact that for a variety of reasons not the least of which is often profitable for people who have a lot of money you're not supposed to acknowledge if your boss won't let you frown at work If your grandma dies because part of your job is to be a happy soldier on behalf of the burgers, there's a systematic denial of the internal life of people. Denying the internal life of people is how othering works. It's how racism and sexism and the ways that we build human hierarchies of people over each other are rooted on the idea. Like in all of these cases, there's expectation that the dominated suppress their emotions, that the dominated not show how they think and feel, and that the dominated's internal life isn't
1: real, that isn't cared about. The other thing about accepting your feelings, sometimes people think that's going to cause them to like go out of control. It's counterintuitive in a way to be like, oh, how do I get over my anger? Except that you feel angry. And they picture like an angry person, like, enacting their anger in yes, dangerous ways. Yes, I'm angry <laughs> and just becoming more
0: powerfully angry and being like, I'm going to go rage out. I
1: I love it. Yeah. And it's because the, like there's a difference between wallowing and acceptance. So I'm not saying go wallow in anger or go wallow in sadness. It's a bit of a difficult distinction, but I think wallowing is usually one of those two mind games I was talking about where you're figuring things into the feeling and like feeding it and justifying it, or you're trying to downplay it and figure out reasons why you don't need to feel it, but you actually know you do. Those are like wallowing things. And you don't get that feeling that I was talking about earlier when you were scanning the list and see the feeling name and like the feeling in you is like, oh yeah, you noticed me. I was trying to tell you something. Like it feels heard. Like That's what like feelings want is to feel seen and understood and accepted. So the reason that you feel like you have to justify your feeling in the first mind game is there's part of you that feels like it's wrong. So you're like, no, it's not wrong. Here's all the reasons why I should be sad or I should be whatever. It's part of that war with you. It's part of not accepting the feeling, even though it sounds like you really accept it because you're trying to justify it. And then it's more obvious why the other one is related to not accepting the feeling, but they're both related to not accepting the feeling. So it's a bit counterintuitive, but yeah, like actually like sitting with it, doing the stuff I mentioned about like, if you're just like meditating, a lot of good guided meditations on stuff like this to notice the sensations in your body or noting your emotions with the word whenever you like, oh, that's anger, naming it and containing it and contextualizing it, understanding it. There's something to that naming something gives you power over it, at least with your emotions. What's mentionable
0: is manageable. That's what Mr. Rogers said. Yeah. And he nailed it
1: because it makes the emotion feel seen and it's good to do that within yourself and it's even better when someone else sees your emotion and accepts it and accepts you despite having it because you can tell yourself you're good enough all the time and you probably should but it means a bit more just because we're social species like when someone else really sees whatever you're feeling that you're ashamed of and is still like oh i love this person like You know, they're my friend, they're my partner, you're my whatever. Like that kind of feeling seen and accepted is like the real hug that your emotions need. The metaphorical and literal hug.
0: Yeah. Fuck, I'm going to choke up because I'm thinking about special books for special kids. The point is, the thing that I want to say is, I think a lot of people need to know that there's no feeling they can have that will make people not want to be with them.
1: Right. Yeah. So Special Books by Special Kids is a YouTube channel, and they talk to people with mental illnesses or cognitive differences or disabilities about their lives and their conditions, and it's really great stuff. So the moment Sean's talking about happened at the end of a video where he's speaking with a man with schizoaffective disorder. And I'll put a link to the whole thing in the description.
2: I'll just go ahead and tell you right now, if you're getting a text from me in the middle of the night around three in the morning, probably because I'm trying to reach out for help without knowing how to outright say that I'm doing something really stupid, I'm about to hurt myself. Before we end, I just wanted to share that there was nothing you said today that makes it any less likely I'll be your friend, that decreases my desire to be your friend, and I think it's great you're sharing this, and I think it is the right decision to go and seek treatment. Anything you need, I want to be able to supply to you so that you do get that treatment you need. Reach out anytime. I hate emotions. <laughs> no, they're 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 good. It's just sometimes it helps to hear that. Why does it help to hear that? Because you don't hear it. You don't. People it's to find someone who means that it mm. Thank you. You're welcome.
1: If they really understand it, it's usually like you're hugging and crying together, not like they're hating you or whatever your fear is. I'm connecting it to both, like where you said, there's nothing you said
0: today that makes me want to not be your friend. It yeah, like,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that guy knows how to like make you feel yeah accepted.
0: And I feel like there's sort of the same thing with the sort of child, like I'm not crying attitude. It's like that kid needs to be told, cry it out, you'll still have friends at the end.
1: Yeah, man. Oh, that's the, like, most fucked up thing about all this shit in this episode. And me just, like, learning it now is, like, this is shit kids are supposed to be taught. Like, we don't get taught how to interact with each other and deal with our feelings in a productive way. These are basic skills. Like, sometimes your brain is going to do this when you're having a feeling. Like, just notice that. You can deal with it. But, like, we just don't give anybody these tools. And just make sure, like, when the... Angry, the
0: resentful. When the train comes through your station, let it board and let it through, because otherwise it's just going to be sitting outside the station. You yeah. know, like it's just going to be pushing up against the outside of the station, just like until just let the train
1: through. You know, like that reminds me of this roomy poem <laughs> that I put in the notes that I wasn't sure if I was going to use because. Don't really use, read poems on the show, but feels like a good moment for it.
0: <laughs> is this from the English translation where they removed all the references
1: to Allah? I don't know. Is there is there references to Allah in this poem? Yeah, the famous
0: Rumi poems that are passed around. The primary translator of them removed all religious content from them, which is controversial to some Muslims. But he was trying to preserve the beauty of the poem for like a secular right, Christian right, audi- right. audience, I think.
1: The guest house. This human being is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing, and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Wise, beautiful Muslim poetry. Uh, Yeah, maybe a guide from beyond. We know who that guide is. Almost definitely, would say Allah in the original version. Right. So
0: we're Utopians on the show. This is a Utopian Podcast. What does it look like to have an emotional utopia, a political society, an economic system that values emotions and recognizes them as if not messages from a law, messages from your body about what you're experiencing?
1: Yeah, what does it look like? I guess I'm seeing a lot of people holding hands. It's hard to describe this as a visual, but although like trauma has been slowly draining out of society it's probably not all quite gone yet like we just achieved emotional utopia but it's being worked through it's weird it's like a horizon that's difficult to see beyond i think from this side of it is it a world where
0: everyone has long hair as a spiritual antenna and wears bell bottoms and is always happy all the time holding hands (laughs) yes
1: yeah once you like figure out all your emotions then they all just disappear except happiness and (laughs) comrade i'll send you to gulag for such (laughs) there's something to that but it's like this is weird to explain too but like i think this is like in buddhism and like hinduism this kind of concept of like there's your normal emotional spectrum but there's also like equanimity versus suffering that's on top of that and like you can suffer through any emotion if you're grasping at it or trying to avert from it so like even happiness can get tainted by like the knowledge that it will go away But then the equanimity side of it, you can be peaceful through the entire emotional spectrum as well, being like, oh, this is a time for sadness, and so be it. This is a time for happiness. So be it. That's great. And I think that it would be a very peaceful society. I think in terms of
0: what it would actually look like to try to improve this from a political realm, it's like you were saying before, these are things that it's important for kids to learn about themselves. You know, there's kids out there every day on the playground that are experiencing the start of long time struggles with expressing their emotions in a completely controlled environment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like we don't, there's no shortage of places in, where society interacts with the childhood of children that we could try to move the gears. And I think like good work is done by this, by like counselors and stuff like that it exists out Absolutely. there and stuff.
1: Yeah. This gets subsumed into mental health work and counseling and stuff like you're saying and just, yeah, it's incredibly underfunded it's like the biggest health problem right now by some i can't remember what it is in america like isolation and just mental health issues even before covid it's a big health concern and it's massively underfunded is my point
0: yeah and in terms of the health metaphor i feel like we just sort of accept the fact that like everyone has scraped knees metaphorically speaking but we don't put antibiotics on it or anything Like oh I've just got scraped knees you know like yeah like when it comes to mental health people wait until they're like bleeding out in the street and they're like oh I'm gonna call a guy next week before that (laughs) yeah exactly or like oh I don't know what to do about Chris you know like obviously he's always bled a little from his arm but last night was.
1: <laughs> right yeah yeah. yeah, yeah no doubt.
0: But with mental health proactive prevention of bleeding out in the street, you know, there's ways to give people the tools to deal with the scrapes that they encounter in their lives and make sure that you know a scrape is never picked into an infected wound and, and you know like I don't know enough about the psychology of the brain to talk really like definitively on this stuff. I know that's a very personal issue to a lot of people as well. But the bleeding out in the street metaphor matches my experience working in fields where I interact with people with serious mental illness. Like we acknowledge mental health after something bad happens.
1: When it's much more difficult to help people with, like the more you're bleeding out, the less chance the EMTs are going to be able to save you.
2: Those things have deep roots. I guess that's, you know, I must be an emotional archeologist because I keep looking for the roots of things, particularly the roots of behavior and why I feel certain ways about certain things. The truth is inside of us and it's wonderful when we have the courage to tell it. What if I were very, very sad And all I did was smile I wonder after a while What might become of my sadness What if I were very, very angry And all I did was sit And never think about it what might become of my anger where would they go and what would they do if i couldn't let them out maybe i'd fall maybe get sick or doubt but what if i could know the truth and say just how i feel I think I'd learn a lot that's real about freedom. Are you discovering the truth about you? Well, I'm still discovering the truth about me. That's what we do as we keep on growing in life.
0: Well, that's the show for everyone this week. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, we've got a Patreon. Six bucks a month will give you access to the whole archive
1: going back until We were Little Babies recording out of the womb. Thank you so much to everyone who already supports us. We put a lot of work into this show and we love doing it and we wouldn't be able to do it without you. So like so much gratitude. Like I just, I have a great job because of all of the support that we get.
0: Yeah, it's the most rewarding, best thing ever. And we really, really appreciate the help in keeping this going. We also have a book club, a reading group that meets on our Discord every week. So if you go in the Discord, you can get details on that when we meet and what we're reading. We're just wrapping up Post-Scarcity Anarchism by Murray Bookchin. And next, we're going to be going into doing a series of essays that people have been suggesting. So we're going to be Switching to, you know, a different essay each week. So hop on the Discord for that if you're a patron. If you want to join the book club and you're not a patron, shoot us a message and we'll send you an invite to get you on there. We don't want lack of funds to be a barrier for the book club in particular, because it's so valuable to have people coming together and sharing their ideas. And the more people we have together there, the better it is. So everyone you meet knows something you
1: don't. And I think you're probably one of those people. So I want you there. Oh, and one thing I just want to say before I go, a lot of the stuff I learned recently about this and have talked about on the podcast has come from this Healthy Gamer stream. It's like Healthy Gamer underscore GG, not great branding. He's a Harvard psychologist who does mental health streams and talks about like emotions and things like this with people about their life and like hearing different people explain their problems. You both relate to it, but get like information about yourself. It's really like useful. He just did a great panel stream on the black experience in the current moment, talking to like five black men about their mental health. And it was really powerful in certain parts. So I recommend checking out his stream or his YouTube videos on Twitch and YouTube.
0: As always, if you can leave reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, etc. helps us out massively. Pass the show on to your friends. You can email us at contact at seriouslywrong.com if you want to draw our attention to something that you think is interesting. And we look forward to seeing you again soon. Yeah. I mean, well, we look forward to recording and producing a podcast <laughs> that we then release. Let's just be technically correct. <laughs> that we then release and shows up in your podcast feed and then you listen to but we don't know that you're listening to it when or why unless you tell us soon your <laughs> favorite thing <laughs> we do really like it it's really fun yeah and learn a lot doing it Martin. Next time on Seriously Wrong, Sean and Aaron pay a professional to crack open their skulls and scrape out those shameful, shameful feelings. Great tape. Thank you for showing me. So what do you think? Do you want to pay me to crack open that skull and scrape out those shameful, shameful feelings?
1: After watching that tape, no, I don't. I want to keep all my feelings. Have they created any new feelings? Can you amp up my feelings to 11? Yeah, I mean...
0: No, I can't. In order for that to be profitable, you need to do it at pretty much an industrial scale. So I'll have to refer you to one of the big guys, one of my competitors. Oh, the big box stores. Yeah, the emotion clearing houses goes both directions over there.
1: I'll just... Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I mean, I want to support small business. You know, you seem so disappointed. I just... I am. This is like the fifth time I've done this this week. Why don't you crack it out? Take a few out. Really? Who needs... Yeah, why not? I mean, who needs hatred anyway? I don't want to hate anybody. That's a good one.
0: Yeah, hatred. Hey, let's brainstorm together. You can get rid of a couple of these. How about too much jealousy? I'll just, we'll keep a little jealousy. Half-stunted, okay. Half-stunted jealousy?
2: Yeah,
1: all right. Uh,
0: Could I sign you up for something around certain types of deep sadness?
1: Ooh, I can just soften the end a bit. How about more rage? I'll get rid of rage over sadness.
0: Okay, so rage at the source or half stunted?
1: You know what, let's go full source. Get rid of it. Thank
0: you so much. This means so much to me and my small business.
1: This is great. And I'm actually figuring that when I boost my other emotions, They'll get like super boosted because these ones are low. I don't know if that's how it works, but I'm guessing. I don't know
0: if that's how it works either. That sounds
1: great. I don't know. I just want to thank you and your small business.
0: Well, I just want to thank community members like you that keep us afloat, even when our model doesn't make sense.
1: Uh, If more capitalism was like you, it would be fully moral.
0: One second. I'm just gonna call up some of my employees who are on zero hour contracts. So I'll make sure they come in here really quick so we can get this done. I just wish I could get a couple more customers so I could afford to give them benefits, but unfortunately I can't.
1: That's not your fault. So do I just sit down right here in the machine or?
0: Absolutely, pop right in. We're gonna pop you in the machine like a big tape.
1: A final question. When you press play on this tape machine, is it gonna be loud or scary for me?
0: No, 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 no. It's gonna be quiet quieter than you've ever heard
1: okay i'm ready press turn the machine on
0: all right i'll see you on the other side brother oh they're saying your credit card information didn't go through do you want to try again before do you want to hop out and try again before or after let's
1: do it after righteous
0: my brother here we go but you're good for it right oh yeah yeah cool because no i believe you yeah we had a moment i'd never
1: stiff a small business
0: thank you thank you so much oh yeah totally here we go